joy in his presence. Psalm 16, there's joy in his presence. And there is. What a wonderful anointed time of worship. Thank you this morning and an anointed time of prayer. Well, praise God. Whilst we uh, hopefully are not too distracted by the saints <laughs> that are going down to hear the Lord in the way that they can take it this morning, I've uh, got a message that I believe uh, is in a way that you can take this morning. And we need to. We so need the word, isn't, don't we? Because um, if we will apply it to our lives, it changes everything. He changes everything. Um, I'm going to speak this morning on joy and hope. I bet you're glad you came. I'm glad I came. I could do it hearing this word. Um, Joy in our present and hope for the future. And don't we need both. Joy now and hope for tomorrow. And the great thing is because we know the God of hope we can have both. We're going to go to really one of my favorite scriptures, Romans 15 verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound, be filled full of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that just a wonderful verse? I love everything in that verse. I love the hope I love the joy, I love the peace, I love the power, I love the Holy Spirit. And he's a God of hope. He's a God of hope, which means we can be people of hope, people filled full of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we're filled. You know, we're not just like a colander, get filled and it all empties out again. You know, we abound, filled full of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's not natural. We're not filled full of hope naturally. We're filled full of hope supernaturally. And don't we need that? Don't we need him? Because let's face it, circumstances of life can cause our hope to dip at times, if we're honest. Anybody here know what I mean? Of course, you do. You live in the world. There's trouble, you know. And your hope can take a bit of a a downward turn at times. And I'm going to share a problem that I've shared with you before. I have this problem with my eyes. And the reason I'm going to share a bit of detail about it this morning is because I want you to understand why I needed to hear what I heard. So basically, this this issue I have with my eyes, it's been an ongoing issue now for five years, um, it's really very limiting. All electric light I find challenging. In church, I have to be really careful where where I look. Um, My favorite thing to do is just close my eyes or look at my feet. So if I don't kind of, most of you are taller than me, you know, and so if I look at you, I'm looking directly at light. So if I have to reposition you, please don't think that's a bit odd. Well, it is a bit odd, I'll be honest. I find it it is odd, but it's because I just can't look into lights. Um, Basically, I don't go anywhere where there's electric light. I don't know if you can even begin to imagine that. It basically rules out anywhere indoors. So I don't go to restaurants and I don't go to coffee shops and I don't, I rarely go to shops. Um, I do my supermarket shop once a week. I wear these very dark glasses and hope that what I need is on bottom shelves because looking up 
you know, is, is difficult. And they're just dry all the time. And by three or four o'clock in the afternoon, they're starting to get really dry and gritty. And I just want to close them. So I work from home. And, you know, that's, that's a real blessing, that is, that I can work from home. And it, it just means that I basically spend nearly all my time at home. Anyway... I had this bright idea that I'd get a puppy because, you know, here I am at home all the time and it's just a bit of fun, you know. To cut a long story really short, he has brought a shed load of other challenges with him that I really didn't expect. And if I'm honest, he has worn me out. He's kind of... He won't walk, for starters. I've never known a dog not walk. I keep saying to him, this is not natural. You're not normal, you know. He just sits down. We reached a new low this week where he actually lay down on the pavement. And I'm like, what? Really? What is going on with you? Anyway, because of that, he has boundless energy. And he just kind of bounces off the walls and gets himself in trouble. And um, he's had diarrhea constantly for three months without wanting to go into any more detail than that. And it has been really hard to manage. And um, I was thinking about, you know, I have never... Well, I've not been on one of these machines for years, but you know a running machine where it has that incline button? And my normal challenges are pretty steep. It's, it's quite a sharp incline. But having him, it's like somebody's pressed that button to max, and it's, it's like a wall. I'm like, can I even... At times, I'm like, I don't even know how I can do this with you. Anyway, needless to say, I did reach quite a low ebb, you know. And, um, and the Lord just said to me, I love the freedom of this. I love how the Lord speaks. He said to me, write a wish list. And our parents as children used to say to us, when it got close to Christmas time, don't write, go and write a wish list. Like, Everything you would like to get for Christmas, we're not saying you're going to get what's on that list, but just go and write the list, you know? And I think it was, in a way, their way of keeping us quiet for an hour or so. And we used to get the Argos catalogue out. I don't know if you remember that. (laughs) And go through that with great joy, marking down even the series numbers, the whole thing. This is what we want. Anyway, so the Lord said to me, write your wish list. And, you know, I only had two things on it. Amazingly, and it was physical strength and this healing for my eyes to become my experience, um, and soul strength because the body at times can affect the soul, can't it? Not always, but it can. And actually, this these challenges that I've had physically had started to take their toll um, on my soul, on my emotions, and I. I heard this scripture, and I have to say it's an unusual one. I, I read this. I must have read it last year because I went through the Bible in a year. So it was in there, and the Holy Spirit pressed the button and reminded me of this scripture. And the scripture I heard, it was only part of it, though the fig tree fails. And I thought, that's in Habakkuk or Haggai. I knew it was one of the H ones, the short books. It's in Habakkuk 3, and it says this. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, 
yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. To be honest, it was a relief. For me, it was like a recognition. Things are not as they should be. You know, and I'm sure there are many of you here in your circumstances, things are not as they should be. Yet, verse 18, if we could just bring that one back, I will joy. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. That actually means I will be glad in the God of my salvation. I haven't been able to be glad in my circumstances. And so often it is that way, isn't it? The outside stuff doesn't bring a whole lot of joy. Yet, we can always have joy in him, the rescuer, the God of our salvation. And rejoicing, if we could have the next slide, rejoicing actually leads to the joy, which then leads to to the strength. We always want it the other way around. I constantly have to remind me of this. You know, we want to feel happy before we rejoice. And the Lord says, if you rejoice first, my joy is of another quality and a different type. It's spiritual. My joy will come. And that's going to make you strong because Nehemiah says, 8 verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And my soul strength had dipped because if I'm honest, my rejoicing had dipped a bit. I was a bit like Habakkuk at the start of the book when he was just overwhelmed really by the circumstances, um, looking at all of those. By the end of the book, though the fig tree doesn't blossom, there's no fruit, there's no food, there's no cattle, the circumstances actually are still the same in that chapter three, but his focus has changed. So he's no longer like this. He's looking. He's looking at the Lord, the God of his salvation. Psalm 3.3, he is our glory and the lifter of our heads. What I know is, and really I'm sure many of you do too, if your head is lifted, you are lifted. If your head is down, you are down. Anyway, and God, the Lord, he so cares about our internal state. He cares about the state of our soul. Your soul is everything you can't see. And it totally affects our lives. And he wants us strong on the inside. But not just strong because of grit determination. But strong by the spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're strong on the inside, you can get through anything on the outside. There's a proverb. I think it's Proverbs 18 verse 14. The spirit of a man sustains him in sickness. Come on, amen. The spirit, the inside, by the power of the spirit, it will get you through. If you've had a health issue that's dragged on for some time, being prolonged, you need a strong spirit. You know, it's a bit like a cork. That, that water keeps kind of waves, if you like, coming on top of. If you've got a strong spirit, that will bring you bobbing right back up to the surface as many times as you need to, which is always, because he wants us up there on top, not down. Uh, and he's the strength of our lives, isn't he? We hear it, we sing it, it's here in our heads, but he so wants that to be yours and my experience. But we so have to do the opposite of what we feel because who knows? You do not want to feel like it when you are troubled, when you're dogged with symptoms or this 
external circumstance that doesn't seem to change or maybe does and then goes back again. It's like the very opposite of what you want to do. You want to sit in sackcloth and just sort of throw ash on your head like it is in the Old Testament, sign of mourning. But if we will make that decision of the will, Habakkuk 3 verse 18, if we could bring it back, I will rejoice. It's I will. Decision. It's a choice, isn't it? I will rejoice in him. I'm getting my eyes off here onto him. I will joy in the God, be glad in the God of my salvation. And Peter is reminding me this, this week. It's like priming a pump. I don't know if any of you remember the old-fashioned water pumps. You used to get them at the side of roads. Actually, when we were children, we went to Southern Ireland, and there's a photo of me when I was about seven years old with this water pump. And you have to pump the kind of arm of it half a dozen times before anything comes through. You're like, is there anything coming out of this thing? It so often is like that. You start, and it's like, really? But you've you got to just keep going. It, it takes more than 30 seconds of, you know, this is rubbish, but God, I praise you anyway. It, it just doesn't work. Let's be honest, we've all tried that. I tried that this week. It just doesn't work. You've got to move on from there. In all honesty, I get praise and worship on. I have to, I have to get praise music and praise songs on I have a an old CD by Darlene Check, and to be honest, I I think I've worn a groove in track track two. Uh, it's called "You Will Be Praised," and it you know you can start with a heavy heart, but like that pump, if you will keep going, the supernatural supply will come through, and it goes on from eighteen from the yet I will praise you to verse nineteen. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills. Okay. I never knew that. And that was to song. There you go, see? Music helps. It really does. Singing and instruments. Praise God for the musicians and singers we have. Really, I'm so grateful for all of you. It helps. We don't have them at home, but my gosh, get some music on because it helps. It will lift. Um, but it moves your focus, you see, from down in the valleys, from down on the low, on the low ground, really to up higher. You know, when you move up a mountain, the air's clearer. You can see further, can't you? The view changes, and it's that. He brings us from down in the dumps and in the valleys and looking at all the problems to where the air is clear, the view is better. Hope returns, basically. And I, you know, I was thinking of this. It's so basic in a way. How joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We so try to get it from our circumstances, don't we? And let's face it, intermittently, they can make us happy you know, on a good day, but it is intermittent. It's, you know, uh, one thing gets sorted and you're happy for a bit, but then it's not too long before another problem arises or you get something you want. But isn't it amazing how it's not too long before you want something else? You know, and so it's like, are you ever going to be happy because of your circumstances? Not for long. It's not lasting, but Joy 
is a fruit of the Spirit, his joy. And so often it's not reasonable because it's not from circumstances. Habakkuk would have looked loopy-loo. Do you know what I mean? Because he would have been happy. Joy, rejoicing would have brought him joy. And the people would have said to him, what are you so happy about? Look around. Do you not know the trouble we are in? What planet are you on? And the thing was, his focus had changed. His eyes weren't on it anymore. He was looking at the God of his salvation. And you know, it's always a good day when we look at Jesus. Isn't it? It's always a good day when we look at Jesus. When we look at the problems, they grow. They truly do. I mean, I, I, I need to hear this myself this morning because problems are so often right up close and in your face, aren't they? And they shout. You know, if you have physical challenge, pain particularly, it shouts loud. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but if we will make that right choice to focus on him, my gosh, he lifts us. We can't lift ourselves I often say to the Lord, Lord, I trust you to lift me. Thanks that you will. And he does. He's so faithful. If I do this and if you do that, the lift comes. It's literally like getting in an elevator, pressing top floor, off you go. Come on, you might have been in the basement. He'll bring you out. Now, I want to take a moment this morning. This was a bit of a detour uh, for me on, I think it was Thursday or Friday, to talk about the enemy because the enemy is real. The battle is real, it's a spiritual battle, but we have a spiritual enemy who is invisible, but very real. You know, the spirit realm is as real as this realm, we just can't see it. Anyway, he tries to give us negative thoughts all the time, you know, more than daily, multiple times through a day. They're always on offer about this, that, or the other. And it can be like swatting flies. Does anybody know what I mean? I've had quite a while just kind of, it's like you swat it and it clears off for a bit, but then it comes back again. So annoying. But it's worse than annoying. It's really discouraging, to say the least. And I just had this thought in the week. This is like a swarm of bees around my head. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, I've God bless you if you've ever seen one in reality. PJ has. I think she was chased by a swarm of bees. All the serious stuff happens to her. And the Lord delivers her out of them all. Anyway, a swarm of bees. Like they clump together en masse. And it's like this, just round my head. And then I read in my daily readings that night, Psalm 118. The enemies came against me. They surrounded me like bees. But in the name of the Lord, I destroyed them. I cut them off. I destroyed them. And I thought, this is not something I can do sitting down. We can't be casual, feet up, you know, like the swatting. Swatting didn't work, really. We have to stand. And I literally, I was sitting on my sofa. I stood. I physically stood. I thought, this is something I need to take action and really In the name of the Lord, this is enough, you know? Ephesians 6, 10 to 12, we know these scriptures well, but look. Finally, be strong in the Lord. 
Not strong in you, not strong in your circumstances, your talents, your abilities, your experience, your this, your that. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I'm going to say that one more time. Our struggle, church, is not against flesh and blood. It's not against other people. It, it can come through other people at times, but behind that is the spiritual enemy. It's not against yourself even, your own flesh and blood, but against rulers against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms or the heavenly places. We have armor and we have weapons, but I think so often the Lord gives us things and we don't use them. How foolish are we? How foolish am I? If we don't pick up and put on and use what he's given us, part of the spiritual armor, you can read the verses later, and I encourage you to, because you need to know what's available and put it on by faith. One of the pieces of armor that we need to put on and keep on is a helmet of salvation. Think about that. A helmet that saves you. A helmet that protects you. Something on your head to protect Because our mind actually is the battleground. If he can get you here, he has you. The mind is the battleground. And I think there's a slide for this. If we want to win the war over the devil, and who doesn't? (laughs) Because whilst he's an invisible spiritual enemy, there are very real consequences he brings in our lives. If we want to win the war against the devil, we have to pay attention to our thinking. Pay attention to the thoughts in your head. If I can put it as simply as this, think about what you're thinking about. Don't let them just wander willy-nilly, free, free, free range, like chickens, in your head, wandering around, pecking, causing trouble. No. Stop and consider, what am I thinking right now? I've learned to do this. What am I thinking right now? Because if you have a thought in your head that isn't a Jesus thought, you can throw it out. We don't have to keep them. You don't have to keep every thought that he gives you. We've got to get the wrong ones out and get the right ones in. Here's a thought. You can choose your own thoughts. I mean, I know I'm stating the obvious this morning, but I think it bears stating. We need to choose wisely. The thoughts in our heads have God thoughts. We can think God thoughts on purpose. And my gosh, we need to. I had a time in the week and I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to sit down and close my eyes and have five or ten minutes thinking God thoughts. And I started with, he loves me. Oh, that's a good place to start. He loves me. He's for me. The Lord is on my side shall I fear? What shall I fear? That's from Psalm 118. These God thoughts are from the book, right? They'll always agree with the word, but they're a helmet of salvation. 
They're a helmet of salvation and we need to think God thoughts. Really, I encourage you, get into the habit. Just five minutes a day, I'm just going to sit and think some God thoughts. He's for me. I'm the head and not the tail. His favor's on my life. He's going before me. He's my shield all around me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God thoughts. And we must think them on purpose. You need to choose to think them and keep them at the front of your thinking. That was a bit of a detour, but I think an important detour. So back to this power of rejoicing. Uh, There's an amazing story in 2 Chronicles, verse 20. We're going to read it. It's about how praise brings victory over the enemy. And it says uh, in verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Oh, praise God. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, though. Interesting. Position yourselves. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you? O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Do not be stressed. Do not be anxious. Do not lose sleep. The Lord is with you. Tomorrow go out against them. Interestingly, they had to go out against. They had to position and they had to go out against. They needed to take steps of faith. But the Lord went with them. Verse 19. Then the Levites, the priests of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord. I love this of Israel with voices loud and high, right? This is not a mumbled praise or a kind of half-hearted casual. Let the name of the Lord be praised. This is like a voices loud and high thing. First, come on, 22 Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes or traps against the people of Ammon, all the enemy, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. And they were defeated. You will not need to fight this battle, he says. You go out. You take your position. You go out against them. And in the name of the Lord, you will destroy them. But interestingly, it took the singers. The singers went out in front. Praise went out in front. Hear that today. I, I need to speak that to myself. Praise went ahead and brought the victory. The victory followed the praise. Um, praise is powerful. There's something about singing. Singing truth is powerful. So often the psalms were set to music. Debs has written a brilliant song. Um, based on Psalm 113, and we're going to sing it later. But it's powerful. We've got we to sing voices loud and high, you know. And I just, I'm sure you do this. Of course you do. Look, Radio 1234, as great as they may be, question mark. But get some praise on, some worship. Let the name of the Lord be praised. And not just background. Gosh, there's a time for that. But someone else can't bring your victory for you. Some pre-recorded praise will not defeat the enemy. It's your praise. It's your exalting him. It's your declaring truth. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Songs of his goodness. Songs of his greatness. 
Because he's a good God. He is a good God. He is our source, like that water pump. He's the well of salvation. He's our source of strength. And his strength is our source of, or his joy is our source of strength. He's a source of both. He is. But we've got to get it. It's such a strong conviction in us. God is good. I know in book club they're doing a book on the goodness of God. And it's such a vital book because it's such a vital revelation. The goodness of God. But I'm going to go, is it a step further or a step before? I don't know. Basic, basic. The love of God. The love God has for you. That needs to be so rooted in you that no circumstance, no demon of hell can pull that out of you. And this is not based on your performance. Glory and hallelujah. He loves sinners. I mean, you can be terrible. Will he stop loving you? No. It's unconditional. He doesn't love you because you're good. He loves you because he's good. It's such a vital revelation, this, and foundational. If you have that rooted in you, really, the love of God, so high, I can't get over it. So low, I can't get under it. I mean, I go basic on days. I start seeing so high, I can't get over it. So low, I can't get under it. So wide, I can't get round it. Oh, wonderful Right, the love of God, if you have that as a strong conviction in your heart, when you receive correction, you won't lose confidence. It's so important that, because he will correct, because he needs to correct. But you won't, it, you, it's like you won't skip a beat, you won't be set back in any way, because you're so confident, secure in the love of God. We're going to look at a scripture, 1 John 4 verse 16. And so we know, another translation says we believe and rely. You're relying on that chair right now to take your weight. If you took your feet off the ground, it would be taking all your weight. Right? The love of God, take all my weight. He loves me and I can rely on that. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. It does you so much good to meditate on that verse. I recommend it. God is love. Because the more you get this revelation of the love of God rooted in you, the more you believe it, the more you rely on it. You know? I can rely on the love God has for me. He will come through for me. He will take care of me. But if we don't rely on his love, when we hit trouble or we have ongoing trouble, we can start to waver. We can start to lose confidence and we can even start to back away from him. Because the enemy is very good at slander, bad-mouthing the character of God. And I say out loud, and I really mean out loud in the face of problems, Jesus is my Lord, he loves me, he take care of me. And I recommend that. Do it. 10, 20 times a day, God is, God is good. He loves me. He'll take care of me. I can rely on him. He's for me. Yes, he disciplines those he loves. Praise God for the discipline of God. 
But if we're walking in his path, really depending on him, he'll come through for us. He will come through for you. Um, We're going to go back to Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He is the strength of our lives. Really, he is. He's the victory of our lives. But we must go to him. We must go to him and go to him confident. You know, confident he's pleased to see you. You know, when somebody's pleased to see you, you go confident, don't you? We've got to be like John. I love the disciple John who wrote the book of John. He called himself the beloved, right? I think it's amazing. In chapter 21 of John, he actually said, John, the disciple Jesus loved. (laughs) And I think that's, I mean, that's bold, isn't it? Quite honestly, he probably irritated the other disciples. But he was bold. He was secure. He loves me. He loves me. He's always pleased to see me. He was the one that rested his head on Jesus' chest, wasn't he? And I think we need to do that at times. I do that. You know, I just want to kind of curl up, suck my thumb. He loves me. He's pleased to see me. He's always pleased to see you. He never doesn't see you, actually. We're never out of his sight. But he can get out of our sight. We need to snuggle up, quite honestly, with him. He's, he's our father. I've been meditating on... Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 this week. They're just such wonderful verses. He's the father of compassion, it says. And the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. There's a time and a place, and I'm not even joking. Snuggle up with Jesus, just get a bit of comfort, you know? And Paul goes on to say, you need to know the trouble we've been in We've been beyond measure, above strength and our ability to endure. We've even despaired of life. Yet, God has delivered us and will deliver us still. On him we set our hope. There's that word again. We're going to go back to that, Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of Of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to you this morning if you've lost your peace, or if you've lost your joy, or if you've lost both, normally we do lose both, you need to check your believing. What's the dominant thought in your head? You know, what is really in your heart? And just pray, pray, Lord, speak to me. Give me a word on this situation and if you get the word in you you see you're giving the Holy Spirit something to work with I'm going to say that again if you will get the word in you you're giving the Holy Spirit something to work with like that Romans 15 the 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 abounding in hope work of the Holy Spirit came from the believing they had some word promise in them that enable the Holy Spirit to bring that lift, that lift. I did say I was going to finish with that, but I'm going to finish with this, Acts 2. This is the message version, and I love this. It's actually Peter on the day of Pentecost quoting uh, David in Psalm 16, but he says this, I saw God before me for all time. Nothing can shake me. He's at my right side. I'm glad from the inside out. Ecstatic. Top.
I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. Isn't that brilliant? I've decided I'm living there. I'm not living down there in the valleys, in the, you know, bleak, awful. You know, your circumstances might be that, but hope on the inside, the Holy Spirit enables us to have that, and that, that's that cork lift. Anyway, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If the team could come forward. I, I really want you just to close your eyes and before the Lord now, answer that question honestly. Where have you pitched your tent? You know, where have you decided to live? Are you under the shadow of the Almighty and his amazing, great and precious promises? Or are you under the shadow of the enemy and his predictions of doom and gloom? Ask yourself this. What is the main thought in my head? What is the reoccurring thought in my head? What do I live thinking most days? If it isn't what Jesus says, and you'll know pretty much straight away whether it is or it isn't, if it isn't what Jesus says, you need to throw it out because it will do damage. I was thinking about the fiery darts. You know, it speaks of it in Ephesians 16, these fiery darts that the enemy send. They're not just darts, they're fiery darts. They're lit. And if it remains in, if a fiery dart remains in, it will destroy. You've got to get it out. Replace it with a God thought because we can choose our thoughts. How amazing. So just before the Lord now, I just want you to ask him, speak to me. Give me a, give me a God thought. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.